Are Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers the most hated quarterbacks in America? We discuss today on Locked On Longhorns. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Meant to get this to y'all a few days ago, but I finally got my new mic set up, and y'all get the professional sound that y'all deserve on Locked on Longhorns. We're talking Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers today because they receive so much hate, and I feel like it's past the level of competency. Now I get it. Hype creates hate, and these are two of the most hyped recruiting prospects ever at the quarterback position. Two of the three quarterbacks to ever receive a perfect 24-7 composite score. I understand that. They're at the University of Texas, one of the biggest brands in college football, one of the most hated brands in college football. So I understand that hate. But like I said, it's gone past the level of competency, and it's time to discuss it on Locked on Longhorns. We're going to start with Arch Manning, and I'm going to break this down into three facets because these are three of the biggest criticisms I've heard of Arch. He shouldn't be a five-star. His level of competition is subpar. And he's not the best quarterback in his class. I'm going to dispel each one, one by one, right now. He shouldn't be a five-star. 24-7 sports on how they determine their five-star recruits. These are the 32 players that we believe are the most likely to be drafted in the first round from each recruiting class. Peyton and Eli Manning and Archie Manning, three quarterbacks in his family, were all drafted in the top five of their respective draft classes. There is nothing that we know today that would lead us to believe that when Arch declares for the draft in four to five years, that he won't be a first round NFL draft pick. Something could go catastrophically wrong at Texas and it might not happen. But that hasn't happened yet. Projecting out right now, as of this day, today, Arch Manning looks like a future first-round NFL draft pick, which is why he's rated as a five-star by 24-7 sports. But, John, he looks like a three-star on tape. I mean, look at him. He's not impressive. Okay. Patrick Mahomes, three-star. Justin Herbert, three-star. Josh Allen, three-star. Lamar Jackson, three-star. I'm not saying he's any of those quarterbacks, but what I'm saying is his story is far from written. His story is far from set in stone. But, John, his level of competition, I mean, you've seen it. It's subpar. You've seen that video of that fat defensive lineman chasing him, and he looks like he runs a six-flat 40. I believe that there's a, there are five traits essential to a quarterback being successful at the professional level or at the collegiate level. And I believe none of those five really have anything to do with level of competition. The first one is pocket presence. How do you navigate the pres uh, the pocket? Can you feel the rush? Can you move around while keeping your eyes down the field, still be able to deliver the ball under pressure and consistently dominate from the pocket? I believe Arch can do that. And that has nothing to do with level of competition. Of course, you might feel more pressure from a better pass rush, but that's where pocket presence comes in. 
feeling the rush and being able to get the ball out on time. One of the best to ever do it is Tom Brady. That has nothing to do with level of competition. You either have pocket presence or you don't. And I believe Arch has it. The second most important theme, the ability to throw with accuracy and anticipation has nothing to do with level of competition. Now, you can say if the competition is better, there may be tighter windows. That's a fair argument. But the advantage is, is the quarterback knows where the receiver is going before the defender does. And the receiver knows where he's going before the defender does. So if Arch can throw with accuracy and anticipation, he'll be able to put the ball on the receiver while the defender is naturally a step late. And outside of that, you either have accuracy or you don't. You can either throw with anticipation or you can't, whether you're playing 1A football or 6A football. And I believe Arch can throw with accuracy and anticipation. Arm strength literally has nothing to do with level of competition. You could play against the 85 Bears. That does not affect how far you can throw the football. Leadership is the fourth one. Might be higher on some other people's list. Has literally nothing to do with level of competition. And the athleticism to make something out of nothing. We've seen Arch run for a 70-yard touchdown in high school. If he was playing against better defenders, would it be, what, 60 yards, 50 yards? We're going to dock him. Either way, he's shown the athleticism on tape to be able to make something out of nothing when the play breaks down. And to me, that has little to do with level of competition. So I feel as though if Arch possesses the five most important traits to be successful at the next level, why are we docking his level of competition? Why are we using that as an excuse to say that he's not going to be good at the next level? I understand it, but like I said, he possesses the five traits most important to a quarterback being successful. And whether he's playing 6A football or 2A football, he would have those traits. Well, John, he shouldn't be the number one quarterback in his class. Have you seen Malachi, Nico? Or Okay. Arch Manning. 6'4", 215, prototypical college size with the frame to put on more weight and have prototypical NFL size. John Garcia, director of football recruiting at Sports Illustrated, compared his body to one of Andrew Luck, the first overall pick in his respective NFL draft class. Let's talk about Arch compared to some of these other quarterbacks, the four quarterbacks behind him in his recruiting class. Arch is 6'4", 215. Malachi is 6'3", 182. Malachi has played one more game than Arch in his career. Yet Arch has 600 more passing yards than Malachi. Arch has a 65% completion percentage. Malachi has a 59% completion percentage. How could the number one quarterback in a recruiting class not even be able to throw complete 60% of his passes at the high school level. So let's talk about Nico. Nico is 6'5", 195. Again, Arch has more ideal size that you can project out at the collegiate and future NFL level. Nico does not have the experience that Arch has because Arch has played double the games, 27 to 13, that Nico has played in high school. Nico has just came on. Arch has started since his freshman season. Arch completes 65% of his passes to Nico's 60%.
And John Garcia, director of football recruiting at Sports Illustrated, who's been on the show numerous times, has said on this show that Nico has inconsistent mechanics. His arm angles can be inconsistent. His throwing motion can be inconsistent. While Arch has the most consistent mechanics in this class. Dante Moore, 6'2", 210. Arch is taller and bigger. Dante Moore has played 38 games in his career to Arch's 27, but only has 1,700 more yards, which is an average of 160 yards per game. Arch averages 212 yards per game. He has 31 more touchdowns than Arch in 11 more games, which is a little less than three touchdowns per game. Doable for Arch, definitely. So if Arch had played the amount of games that Dante Moore has, he would have identical or better stats with a higher floor and better mechanics. And Jackson Arnold, who plays 6A Texas football, that's what all the Oklahoma fans want you to know. He is 6'1", 205, and according to 24-7 Sports, they do not believe that he has the frame to add too much more to that. He's only played one season, and he was running for his life. I don't know if it's because of, uh, you know, Westlake and their defenders. One of those being a Texas committed, Ethan Burke. I don't know if it was because of Denton Geyer's offensive line or it's because of a lack of pocket presence from Jackson Arnold. But either way, Jackson Arnold hasn't shown enough to say that he's better than Arch Manning or that he will project to be better than Arch Manning in the future. And like I said, for Arch and all of these quarterbacks, their stories are not set in stone yet. They still have one more year of high school to go. These recruiting rankings aren't final. So we could be arguing about something now that could be completely different a year from now. And to say that Arch may not end up being the best quarterback in his class, that's not a take. That's not breaking news. It doesn't take any kahunas to say that. When you look at it, the sixth ranked quarterback in this class is ranked higher than Jonte Cook. And I think Jonte Cook is all world. The sixth ranked quarterback in this class is the 33rd best prospect. Dante Moore, who is the fourth best quarterback in this class, would have been the second best quarterback in last year's class. It's a really strong quarterback class. A lot of people think that C.J. Stroud is better than Bryce Young. That doesn't mean that Bryce Young is trash. That doesn't mean that the rankings were wrong. That doesn't mean that Bryce Young didn't deserve to be ranked where he was. That just means C.J. Stroud ended up being better than Bryce Young. And when you look at the difference between an Arch and a Malachi Nelson, it's 0. .000003 points or something like that. Jackson Arnold, who's the fifth best quarterback in this, in this class, has a 98 rating. So if you think that Jackson Arnold is going to be better than Arch, I don't think so. But it's not crazy to say that because he has a 98 out of 100 rating. They're all ranked really high. It's a really good quarterback class. And like John Garcia said, Arch doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not the fastest. He's not the most athletic. But the reason he's ranked number one and has the highest floor, because if you go through every facet of quarterback play, Arch is no worse than third or fourth in this class of any quarterback. Arch was going to receive a lot of hate because of his name, and it likely increased because he committed to the University of Texas. And we're going to hear this hate. For the next four years, 
this year at Isidore Newman in the three years he spends, possibly even four, at the 40 acres. And the only way to shut up the doubters is to go out there and ball. And with the pedigree Arch Manning has and the weapons he's going to have around him under the direction of Steve Sarkeesian, Arch Manning is going to go out there and ball. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's talk Quinn Ewers. And I feel like because Arch is committed and there's so much hype and momentum around this 2023 recruiting class that we've forgotten a little bit about Quinn Ewers, who also has a perfect 24-7 composite 1,000 rating or 100 rating, however you want to look at it. Move the decibel point. Likely your starter this year. And he receives a lot of hate. To me, that passes the level of competency. When we look at any top quarterback in their class or one of the best quarterbacks in their class, these top top 10 level quarterbacks in their class, we've never had the doubts about them that we seem to have about Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Caleb Williams was ranked lower than Arch Manning. Excuse me, Quinn Ewers, I'm sorry. But I distinctly remember everybody thinking that Caleb Williams was going to come in and ball. They told me that Caleb Williams was better than Spencer Rattler, who was ranked really high. And that's likely true. But there wasn't the doubt and the skepticism around Caleb Williams that there is Quinn Ewers. Why? Quinn Ewers is an all-world talent. And he's going to be coached by Sark, who has had the highest scoring offense in the last 10 years, averaging, I think it's 45 points a game at Alabama. In his last season there, with Matt Jones, who is nowhere near as talented as Quinn Ewers, who's been compared to Patrick Mahomes. If Quinn Ewers is even 80% of what we think he's going to be, with the best running back in the country behind him, a top three receiver in the country to the left of him, Jordan Whittington, Ajay Hall, Isaiah Nair, and Jaleel Billingsley, and JT Sanders to throw to with an improved offensive line. Quinn Ewers is going to go out there and ball, even if he's 80% of what we believe he is. And if he's 90 to 100% of what we believe he is, this is going to be one of the best offenses in the country. And Quinn Ewers will be a first-round NFL draft pick two years from now. And people want to talk about him being a me player, not caring about the team. As I've said before on this podcast, you can be as rah-rah as you want because you're not the one in this situation. Are we really going to judge a kid for leaving high school, go to Ohio State and being coached by one of the best quarterback whisperers outside of Sark and Ryan Day and getting professional coaching? Are we really going to fault Quinn Ewers for making a business decision if his ultimate goal is to make it to the National Football League? What was South Lake Carroll going to do for him another year there? He went to Ohio State because he has dreams of being an NFL player. He was able to expedite that process while also making a million dollars doing it. And you want me to be mad at Quinn Ewers because he left his high school team? When he has NFL aspirations? 
that doesn't tell me anything other than he's smart. I'm not going to dock him for leaving his high school team in South Lake Carroll to go to Ohio State. And as I've said before on the podcast, people try to make the argument that, oh, he went up there and he was fourth string. What else would happen if a quarterback arrived a month before the season started? He couldn't win the starting job. Yes, C.J. Stroud was a top three Heisman candidate. That's why. C.J. Stroud, who had also already had been on campus months before that. Quinn Ewers never had a chance. When has a quarterback ever showed up a month before the season and been named the starter, especially when there's a Heisman-level quarterback already on the roster? Like I said, the hate has just reached the, 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 the level of competency. Quinn Ewers is, is going to be inconsistent this year, and, and Quinn Ewers is overrated, and Quinn Ewers is not good. When has this ever been said about any of the other top quarterbacks? When have we ever been this skeptical about any other top quarterbacks? And I get it. It's Texas. They're going to talk about him like that. I get it. He took the money and, and, and went to Ohio State. People hate that. But what you have to acknowledge and what you have to understand is with Quinn Ewers' talent, he's almost in a foolproof situation. B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy, Ajay Hall, Brennan Thompson, Isaiah Nair, Jaleel Billingsley and JT Sanders with an improved offensive line with Sark calling the plays. And you can really fix your lips to say that Quinn Ewers is not going to ball? I just don't understand it. I don't understand the personal attacks about him taking a million dollars to go to Ohio State and try to fulfill his dreams of being an NFL player. And I don't understand the hate in saying that we don't know what Quinn Ewers is going to do on the football field. When seemingly in the past, we've known what every quarterback that was ranked that high in their recruiting class was going to do on the football field. I don't remember anybody or too many people saying that Trevor Lawrence was going to come in and fall flat on his face or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Caleb Williams. But somehow we believe that with Quinn Ewers. It could be Texas. It could be the mullet. It could be Quinn. Whatever it is, I don't understand it. Quinn Ewers is going to ball in his time at the 40 acres. Arch Manning is going to follow him, and he's going to ball in his time at the 40 acres. And there's only one way to shut up the haters, and that's to produce on the football field. Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning are going to produce on the football field. So get the jokes in while you can now. Get those Twitter comments in while you can now. But Texas is coming, baby. We see it and y'all see it. That's why y'all are pressed on social media the way y'all are. Now I want to talk about Steve Sarkeesian. If you listen to Locked on Longhorns, you know this is a Steve Sarkeesian stand account. I love my head coach. Especially because he doesn't go up there at uh, Big 12 media days and say some of the craziest stuff I've ever heard. CC Brent Venables. They asked Sark, when did he know that this Texas football team need beef, bigger beef in the trenches? And my forever head coach, Sark, said, truthfully, in the interview. He could have walked in that interview and said, I have the highest scoring offense of the last 10 years. Look what I did with Devontae Smith. Look what I did with Jalen Waddle. Look what I did with Najee Harris. Look what I did with Mac Jones. He said, no. Texas has been able to recruit. Y'all haven't had a Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning, but y'all have had quarterbacks. 
y'all had receivers, y'all had running backs. The reason y'all haven't been able to win, the reason Texas isn't back, the reason you've had disappointment on disappointment on disappointment is because football is still one in the trenches and you haven't invested in the trenches. That's what he told CDC. The CDC said, sign me up. But Sark didn't just say that in the interview. I'm a Cowboys fan. I remember Mike McCarthy saying that he did all this analytic work. And as soon as they hired him, he got up there in front of national TV and said, I said that to get the job. Sark said, you need bigger beef in the trenches. So then what does he do? He goes on and signs the highest graded recruiting class, offensive line wise, of all time. By a comfortable margin. 28 commits in the 2022 class. 15 of them play in the trenches. Seven offensive line, eight defensive line. And then he comes back with this 2023 class and brings in four more offensive line. Brings in a couple defensive linemen. A Sadir Mitchell, who is 6'6", 365 pounds. Now you can say Sark didn't have the tenure that he would have liked at Washington. And you can say that he didn't have the tenure he would have liked at USC. There were a lot of external factors that had something to do with that. But I think Sark is a different man now. He went to the coaching rehabilitation program in Alabama where coaches who have kind of faltered uh, can go to revitalize their careers. He went to Alabama. Like I said, led an offense that averaged 45 points a game. And now he's back at Texas. Not back at Texas, but he's at Texas. And he understands how to win. And since he's gotten here, He's putting beef on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, because he understands that even though he's the quarterback whisperer, and even though you have Bijan and Xavier Worthy and all these flashy pieces on the outside, none of it works if you can't take your opponent's will in the trenches. And Sarkis went out and got players that are huge, and his goal is to take their opponent's will in the trenches. And then add to it with the cherry on top with the Xavier Worthies and the Brennan Thompsons and the Jontae Cooks and the Ryan Niblets of the world. They asked Sark about the NFL, his NFL aspirations. And he said he's at one of the biggest and best jobs in college football, the University of Texas. He has unfinished business at the University of Texas. And he plans on winning a lot of championships at the University of Texas. People can say five and seven. He didn't have the season he wanted to have last year, obviously. But this offseason, it's hard to make the argument that any head coach has been better than Steve Sarkeesian. And that's why I believe in Steve Sarkeesian. That's why I'm comfortable saying that Texas is going to be on the rise the next few years. Because I've seen what Sark is able to do in his short time here. They had a lot of issues last year. I don't believe this football team has those same issues going into this season. He's brought in some new juice and some new life into this coaching staff, which has already paid dividends and I believe will pay dividends on the football field. And we need to give Sark his credit because, yes, the on the field stuff is the most important. But recruiting is a big part of a college coach's job. And has Sark not proven that he's an elite A plus recruiter? The only thing left for Sark to prove is that he can be elite on the football field. And if you ask me, Jonathan Davis, host of Locked On Longhorns, Sark will prove 
2022 that he can field an elite football team. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, Longhorn Nation, peace.